welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. To find out more and to become a member, go to PCAPaintEd.org. Find more great content like this on PCA Overdrive. A subscription to the platform is included with membership. For all you non-members out there, sign up for our free trial. PCA Overdrive is available on the Apple Store and Google Play. Welcome to the Painter Marketing Mastermind Podcast, a show created to help painting company owners build a thriving painting business that does well over $1 million in annual revenue. I'm your host, Brandon Pierpont, founder of Painter Marketing Pros and creator of the popular PCA educational series, Learn, Do, Grow, Marketing for Painters. In each episode, I'll be sharing proven tips, strategies, and processes from leading experts in the industry on how they found success in their painting business. We will be interviewing owners of the most successful painting companies in North America and learning from their experiences. On this episode of the Painter Marketing Mastermind Podcast, we host guest Chris Elliott. Chris owns Onnit Painting, a residential and commercial painting company based in Indianapolis, Indiana. Chris focuses his efforts on creating a company culture of abundance, and he values the importance of starting his growth journey with the end in mind. A practitioner of the Entrepreneurial Operating System, or EOS for short, Chris works to systematize Onnit painting as efficiently as possible and believes that through effective systems and a clear company mission, employees have a great chance to thrive. He believes the future of the painting industry will involve much more automation and marketing, and that companies that embrace these changes will see great success. If you want to learn more about the topics we discussed in this podcast and how you can use them to grow your painting business, visit paintermarketingpros.com forward slash podcast for free training, as well as the ability to schedule a personalized strategy session for your painting company. Again, that URL is paintermarketingpros.com forward slash podcast. Chris, thanks for coming on the Painter Marketing Mastermind podcast, man. Thank you for having me. Yeah, happy so, New Year. Happy New Year. Yeah, we're, we're filming this one December 31st. Yeah, last not of the year. Productivity mm-hmm. till the end. That's right. Yeah. So, Chris, I guess tell us a little bit about Onnit Painting. Yeah, sure. Um, so, Onnit is a better-known painting contractor um, or better-known painting company located in Indianapolis, Indiana. Uh, we specialize in residential and commercial painting as well as repairs, uh, specifically uh, repaints. So everything we do is um, directed to the consumer or to the business um, and kind of built our team and our, our um, systems and processes around that. Awesome. And so you guys are residential and commercial. What's your split there approximately? Yeah, so this year was probably 60-40 uh, residential. Uh, next year, we're projecting 50-50, uh, and eventually commercial will be the dominant percentage. So we originally launched the business as a residential um, painting comp- uh, yeah, residential repaint company, and um, as we grow, we will grow um, to be more predominantly commercial. And where are you guys based? Indianapolis, Indiana. That's right. Okay. And so you're yep. in Indianapolis. What's your service radius approximately? Yeah. So for residential, we cover uh, Indianapolis and the surrounding suburbs. Uh, so about a 30 mile radius. 
and then for commercial, we do all of uh, Indiana and most of Ohio, but uh, we primarily focus our efforts towards uh, Western Ohio. So do, you have a, got, do you have a particular uh, specialization with the commercial work? We do, yeah. So we, we focus on multifamily and managed commercial. Um, so we'll go outside of those market verticals, obviously, uh, but that's where we focus our attention. Those are the associations we're in and the relationships that we're building. And are you, for the multifamily, are you doing purely exterior? Do you do apartment turns? What do you, what do you do exactly with that? Yeah, we don't touch turns. Um, so everything we do is CapEx work. So we're, okay. you know, yeah, so exterior repaints, um, uh, interior common hallways, uh, clubhouses, stuff like that. So. Got it. Yeah, stay, staying away from those turns, huh? Not touching <laughs> Not touching <laughs> Yeah, we, it's, you know, we've been offered opportunity to do like high volume turn before, but there's just not, it's just not a great fit at scale. Uh, it's a great fit for somebody who, you know, if they want to make $20, $25 an hour and have a helper or two um, and paint the same units every day, day in and day out, uh, it's yeah. maybe a good fit, but it's not a fit for us. Not a lot of meat on that bone, I think. No, no. Um, all right, man. Well, well, do you mind sharing where you're at revenue-wise and how long you've been in business? Yeah, so launched the company in 2015. Uh, again, uh, launched as a residential repaint company. Uh, right now, we're, um, our, we forecasted $3 million this year. Uh, we broke that. Um, Congratulations. And, uh, oh, thank you. Yeah. We've been pretty conservative in, in the growth. So we, we did a million our first year. Uh, and then I think we did like 1.8 the second year, but then we've been pretty much planning about 25% growth uh, each year. Uh, and that's that's what we're for, forecasting for next year. So it'll be um, probably 3.5, 3.6 is the, is the plan for next year. So I wanna kind of touch on this because we, yeah, painter marketing pros. We have all all different size painting companies come through. Obviously, with mm -hmm. this podcast, all the companies are doing over a million. But you said your first year you did over a million, right? Mm -hmm. and, and then your second year you were at a, sounds like almost two. And then we, you know, we have people come to us who have been in business for years sometimes, and they're at a few hundred thousand or four hundred thousand. What do you think made the difference? How, how could you come in and just make a million your first year? Yeah, that's a great question. So my background is probably a little different than most um, painting um, company owners. Uh, I've actually, I've never painted uh, like anything ever. <laughs> so, so got, got uh, Brad Allison over here. <laughs> you're right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I, uh, you know, my background, I was in the military. Um, after the military, I went into the fitness industry. I ran large box fitness clubs. Um, eventually left that and I worked for a large corporation uh, doing B2B sales. Uh, had a lot of success, made a lot of money, but working for a large corporation that just didn't have the culture. Uh, so I was actually coaching my oldest son in youth football and met the president of a national painting contractor that's located here in Indianapolis. Um, and he invited me in to interview with his company. And I was really looking to attach myself to an organization that had a great mission and purpose. Um, I declined his invitation uh, with the justification that I didn't know anything about the painting industry. <laughs> and uh, he stayed at me and um, I ended up going in. It was a great fit. Um, I did that for four years and primarily I left because um, there was a lot of travel um, and just was kind of over the travel, exited the company. Uh, and launched a residential repaint um, business. So um, that there were, just to kind of avoid some conflict there. So I think that starting out with the fact, 
one, I just recognize um, there was an opportunity for a professional painting company. Um, one that like we, we built our company around this idea of providing extraordinary customer experience, right? Because I think a lot of tradesmen, they get very focused on the workmanship um, and, and quality, of course, it matters. Um, and, but the experience matters too, right? And I think that's something that's starting to evolve in the trades. But if, in my opinion, if there's a leaning, the leaning is towards the experience, right? Um, the quality is a permission to play. That's an expectation. Yeah. Now, yeah. if you want to make that your, um, if you want to make that your value proposition and you want to be the greatest craftsman in the trade, you can absolutely do that. And that's a great fit for some companies. That's just not what we've built our company around. Again, we've built it around. We're going to, we're going to provide an extraordinary experience. It's going to be hassle free. Uh, and it's going to be built around our exact target customer. Um, someone who cares about value, but they, you know, they just want to, you know, we, our target audience for residential is, is busy professionals. Like someone, you know, mm -hmm. they say the author writes the book to, uh, for what they need, right? So uh, someone who uh, needs time management, they seek it out and they uh, become a master of it. And then they watch it uh, or they uh, write a time management book, right? I built a company um, that I would buy from, right? right? So my wife and I, we care, we like quality. Um, of course, we want it to look great. But just like take it off my plate, man. I'm busy, right? right? So, yep. so we kind of we built, yeah, absolutely. So we we built the organization around that. So I think just that person coming from a different background and and um, focusing on um, uh, focusing on the the process of uh, for the customer, um, having a bit of a business and sales background. Uh, plus, like you know, most most painting owners start as a technician. Right. And it's really hard to come out of that because typically they start painting because they enjoy it or they launch a painting company because they enjoy the act of painting. Right. Um, I didn't start with that. You know, when we were early in, if we got into trouble, you know, as most painting company owners do, if they get on the wall and start painting, if we got in trouble. I got in the field and start selling. Right. Yes. So um, now that's been a that's been a progression for me uh, is for me as a technician that for me, that sells. So I've had to discipline myself to, as we've grown as a business, to come out of the field as a salesperson. Because, it, you know, again, if the road starts getting bumpy, my, um, what I typically want to do is just get out there and start. Insert yourself out. back into the business. Right. As right. opposed to focusing on it. Yeah. So that's a, yeah. that's a really great point. It's something that we've, honestly, it's been a recurring theme, probably the biggest recurring theme uh, mm -hmm. of the podcast is this idea that what you're really selling is a customer experience. You know, sure. I, I can tell you it's how we built Painter Marketing Pros because and, and there's a difference between kind of a, Nick Slavik would, he, he disagrees. But I think there's a little bit of a difference between a painting mindset and a business ownership mindset. And ultimately, mm -hmm. especially residential painting, I mean, one of your substitutes, one of your com competitive substitutes is literally the homeowner doing it themselves. So sure. when, when they can literally do it themselves, it becomes obvious that you're not selling a paint job, you're selling an experience. And like you said, taking it off their plate, them knowing mm -hmm. you're going to do a good job. The fact that you're going to do a good job, that's just a, that's just a, a given. That's just a right to like permission to play, like you said, but that's not the Could differentiator. Be. Sure. Yeah. So Slavic and I have actually, he wouldn't disagree with you now. We've he actually would. had uh, extensive conversations about this. His love. So I did not start out in this business because I love the trade. 
right? I've fallen in love with the trade for guys like Nick Slavic because of guys like Chris Mull. I mean, you get around them and their passion is so great. Um, you know, there's a, there's a quote that says, um, set yourself on fire with passion and people will come for miles to watch you burn. And like, man, like if you lead with that passion and they have that passion for, for the trade, it was like really inspiring for me to get around that. But what Nick's learned is like, he has to compartmentalize that, that love for the trade, but he's brought, I mean, he's one of the best business, um, owners in the, in the trade because yeah. he's, he's now grown as a business owner um and and found that passion for that as well so um yeah i think that again i think that the quality i think it, it definitely it, it is a factor right i always use an analogy of a steakhouse right so if you go uh if you go to a steakhouse and you get a great steak but the experience leading up to it was awful there was nowhere to park there's smudges all over the glass door you walked in no hostess at the host stand uh, your server server was mean and, and didn't pay attention <laughs> to you, but but then you get this steak and it's awesome. You're probably not going back there, right? Yeah. The quality of the food was good, but the experience was awful. On the flip side of that, you have an amazing experience, right? And everything's just as you expect, and the, but the food comes out and the food is awful. You're going to go home with a bad taste in your mouth, literally, yeah. right? So yeah. you're again, you're not going back. So there is a balance between the two. Um, so we we want to provide. a great quality, but we're also great quality, but great, great service and great, easy experience as well. You know, we always say, um, painting is our painting is what we do. It's our commodity, right? Exactly. Our product, our product is peace of mind. That is what we're building. That's I what we're selling that. to the customer. I love that. Yeah. You know, ultimately it's, you're selling them trust, you know, you're selling them, Hey, if you hire us, you don't have to worry about it anymore. You don't have to follow our, our painters around or, or wonder if, if it's going to hold up or, you're taken care of for sure yeah, yeah absolutely i love it so you have you have a, a another thing we've noticed is kind of a sales first mentality you know focusing making sure you're doing a quality job but that not really being the primary focus primary focus being building selling um what sure, advice sure. do you have I, I guess this is kind of a two-part question so you have a background in operations because when you're running a big box gym i would assume that that there's a fair amount of operations there and then you also have B2B sales, so you have a sales background. Uh, my first part is, what do you think has been the most helpful uh, piece of your background to growing this business? And then secondly, for anyone listening who maybe doesn't have that background, or maybe they are a technician and they've been a painter and they're, they're building their business, but they don't have a, you know extensive operations or sales background, what can they do to kind of get past that, that hurdle? Yeah, yeah, great question. Um, I think my answer to that is always, you have to start with the end in mind, right? So where, where do you want to go? Um, and once you've established that destination, then you can, then you can define who we are. So then, you know, as an organization, who you are as a company and what you care about, and then you know what you can sell to the customer and you know how you can acquire employees, right? You have to define what's your mission, what's your vision, what's your values, and then you then your customers and your employees can know that okay do i believe what this company believes do i believe that customer service is important in the paint job right or if you're hiring um someone who is that master craftsman maybe you believe that 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 amazing craftsmanship is what you're buying or what you want then again it makes it clear so you can you can easily align with them um so then yeah once you once you determine who you are Determine where you uh, where you're at right now. 
So then you can determine what, what, what's your strengths, what your weaknesses, what's your opportunities for growth. Um, then you can lay out a path again to, to, to get to that destination. Um, where do I want to be in 10 years? Okay. And where do I, if I want to be, you know, for us, uh, we want to be at 10 million in revenue, 10% net, three, three locations in three states. Okay. So that's just, that's our destination point. Well, now I have to define that the closer I get to today, I have to define that in more detail. Um, so then I, then I create a three-year picture. So if I was going to take paint and put it on a canvas, I, I paint out what that three-year looks like. And then when I get to this year, I, then I have to get a really believable and tactical plan together for myself and my team so I can execute. But again, I think it all starts with understanding who you are, what you care about, and what you're bringing to that marketplace. Yeah, absolutely. So you, I love that. So that's a big goal. Did you have that 10 million goal when you started or has that evolved? Uh, you know, I, I honestly, I think I did, um, developed that. So we run our business, we run the uh, entrepreneurial uh, operating system. Um, so EOS or traction, if you've read it. Um, so that the 10 year target and three year picture and the one year plan, that's part of that process of, of traction. Um, so I think that we define that through that process. So that's been our plan for a few years now. I knew early, uh, early into the business that I wanted to grow a larger business primarily because I get my energy from people. I, I want a team. Um, if, believe me, if I love painting and, you know, I could probably relieve a lot of headaches, uh, people, there's one thing predictable about people. They will be unpredictable. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. so if you don't have a passion for working with people, you probably don't want to add people to your team. But I have a passion for working with people. I love, um, I love building teams. I love working with people. Um, so for me, the revenue has um, a lot less to do with uh, financial earnings um, and a lot more to do with, hey, the, the, if I can get to $10 million, I can have a bigger team. If I have a bigger team that shares with my set of values, then I can increase our impact on our marketplace in the communities in which we work. Yeah, I love that. Kind of the, the Simon Sinek start with why model, what's really driving for, for sure. Yeah. So why do you exist? Right. What 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 does your company exist? What are you looking to um, achieve? Uh, I think that's a big part of, of um, talent acquisition, right? Like people want to, of course, compensation matters, right? It's a part of the factor. It's not everything, right? People want to attach themselves to a purpose. They want to attach themselves to something that's bigger than themselves. So the the clearer the clearer you can articulate your why, um, the clearer you can, uh, the better you can cast your vision. Uh, the easier it is for someone to, to determine whether they're a good fit for your company, um, you know, and then all of a sudden, you know, a labor crisis isn't such a big deal, right? And and, and I know that's debate. I, I will agree on a on macro level, there's probably a labor shortage for sure. Mm -hmm. But on the immediate in your face, um, you can fix that today. You can, you can um, determine a prospecting pool today. You can uh, determine what their wants and needs are, and create a message, and um, and pr provide a position inside a company that has a purpose that cares for them to 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 want to attach themselves to. Right. So again, you know, back to the employees want more than compensation. They want that purpose. They also want opportunity for mastery and autonomy. So there's a lot that you can, there's a lot, especially in the trades. I mean, 
what a perfect example of like offering someone an opportunity for mastery, you know, teaching yeah. something that, you know, uh, a, a trade, uh, a skill acquisition that they can um, make a living for, for their entire life. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, it's not, it's not flipping burgers. They're learning something really valuable. Right. Yeah. There's single man painters out there making six figures. Yeah. So yeah. What, yeah. And, and I think that, kind of conveying that I think is really helpful. I agree with the labor shortage. It's a real thing, but, but it doesn't have to be a real thing forever for your company. You know, right. you, so can you, for, for companies that have not figured that out, you know, mm. that don't have this really uh, well-crafted mission and, and vision and values, can you kind of dive into maybe some specifics of yours or how, how they, the process of how they could maybe go about doing that and attracting the right kinds of employees if they just don't know where to start? Sure. Um, is your question the process of establishing vision, mission, and values, or acquiring? Both. Here, here's what I'm starting. Yeah. yeah, I'll start with the employees. Um, I will not say I, I have it figured out. I will. It is hard, and I, I'm not going to deny that it's hard. People. But I'm also not going to. Yeah, I'm not going to use a, a national labor shortage as an excuse either, right? Because that again, that's on the macro level. It on the immediate in your face level it's no different in acquiring a customer. What's their need? What's your message? What do you have to offer? And, and, um, and then on the backside of that is, and so this is a good segue into, uh, have you taken the time to determine exactly what your business is, why it exists, as we talked about, what those vision, mission, and values are. So for us, again, we were built on this idea of creating an extraordinary customer experience. So that is echoed through our mission, our vision, and our values. So um, our vision is to be the most dynamic customer-centric painting company in the markets we serve, right? Our mission, so the, the vision is your destination. Your mission is the vehicle and your values is the GPS. I, I would say map, but I think maps are a thing of the past, right? So, um, so our vision, again, to be the most dynamic customer-centric painting company in the markets we serve, our mission is to create an extraordinary customer experience while delivering the highest standard of quality and service. Okay, so then you you see how that's starting to echo throughout. Um, and then our um, our values number one focus on the customer, right? That gives everyone in our organization a lens. So if there's conflict, it's not saying the customer is always right. It's saying, are we going to run this through the filter of is this the right thing to do for the customer and for for the business? Um, number two is deliver on your promises, right? Such a weakness in the trades. Uh, Over-promise, under-deliver. Yep. Um, hey, I'm going to get this proposal out. I and mean, we win so many jobs just because we simply send a proposal. We win um, a lot It's of unbelievable jobs. how low the bar is. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable, right. Yeah. Unfair, unfair. Yeah, you, <laughs> Again, you come in and you do things half right, you're just already there. Yeah, um, go back to early, like when you asked me how we got to a million dollars. We, we answered the phone when people called. We showed up to the appointment. We were professional. You know, it, uh, this idea of a, running a professionalized business is more than showing up in a polo, right? Yeah. It, it, it's, it's answering the phone uh, when, the customer, when the customer calls. It's calling, letting them know that you're, you're heading to you know, a 30-minute-ahead 30, 30 call, um, showing up on time, uh, not parking in the driveway and, and taking, you know, the risk of getting oil on someone's, on someone's concrete, um, having a process. Um, so that's another big thing is, is if you have good systems and processes, um, 
your everything becomes more predictable for the customer. And at the end of the day, that's what that's what they're after. They just want a predictable outcome. They don't want you to come in there and mess up their house. You just want it uh, off their plate. Off the plate, man. Make it easy, hassle free. Yeah. Um, so deliver on our promises are, is our second value. Uh, third is take ownership in everything, right? So it is so easy when there's conflict to place blame on the other person, uh, mainly because when you do that, it it relieves the burden from you of having to fix yourself, right? So, oh. so but if you just take ownership, I'm going to own this. It, you know, somehow this was my fault. Then it gets you to that solution so much quicker. Um, and then for, fourth for us is per group pursue growth and happiness. Um, for me, you know, happiness is fleeting. You're not going to walk around with a smile on your face all the time. If you did, people would probably think you're a little crazy. Um, so, so I think you really have to find happiness through growth, you know, through process. Um, you know, success is a journey. It's not a destination. So you have to fall in love with the process and find, um, you know, find your happiness by doing really hard shit, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I love that. So kind of falling in love with the process of growing the business if you really want to grow the business. Not yeah. oh, this is a hurdle and I just want to get to where I'm making all this money because then you're you're always kind of mentally fighting it as you right. go through it. Right. Yeah, I think that's a big um and you know, I'm sure I'm I'm guilty of this too, but I think that's a, a big weakness is a lot of people just um they start moving without with ever determining the destination. Right. And if you yeah. do that, you I mean, just think about how far off course you can get if you just start moving in a direction and you never know where you're going. Right. Yeah. You never determine this is the final destination for us. So even just throwing out that 10 year target, thinking through that, it doesn't have to be extremely detailed, but it at least gives you a direction that you can start moving towards. I have a point out there in the horizon. And then I, I really like your idea of filters, too. So we do that at, at Painter Market Pros, and I actually do it in my personal life as well. Because things will come up and, and you know, someone will, will do something that you didn't expect or, or maybe you're displeased about or, or there's a, a hard decision to be made. And you can kind of make these decisions beforehand. You know, sure. with what are your values? Um, and then run them through the values. So then rather than kind of in the heat of the moment or, or there was an issue with a customer or, you know, this employee did X, Y, or Z. Well, okay, there's no need to react. Run it through the values. What, what's the process? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Those two things. Great. You just nailed it. It does. It, is it aligned with our values and is it, is it within our process? Right. Mm -hmm. But you have to first start and establish that process. And, and um, you know, you can't, you can, but you don't want to build your business around an exceptional person or exceptional people. Cause those are hard to find. Right. You can't always. Just Not very scalable. Right. It's not scalable. So you want to build your business around exceptional processes Yep. that have been simplified, um, documented, illustrated, make it easy for your people to succeed. Then you can hire people in and teach them those exceptional processes. And then they become exceptional people or exceptional employees. But going out there and, and trying to build your, uh, your, your business around one person, even if it's yourself, um, again, a great thing with me never, never painting before, I, I can't paint. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, you know, I can't rely on it. Yeah, I get, I say focus on leading the team and, and business development um, because, you know, if I was out there pushing a brush, we wouldn't make it very far. Yeah, no, that's great, man. So you, you kind of, you know, find, find people who align with your vision and then 
you know, good employees want to be a part of a company that's growing to feel like they have growth opportunity. Where do you typically find your employees? Yeah. So our, within our process, um, you know, we always put out when we're looking to fill a position, we put out an ad. Um, as soon as the ad is launched, we then uh, go to our network. So then we go within our personal networks or our social media networks and um, at, you know, ask our network if they have somebody. Uh, of course, always ask from your team. The easiest way to build a great culture, if you have a great culture, is to grow off the people already in your business. Mm -hmm. So kind of our process is, um, so I guess I should say that in reverse. Well, we launched the ad because it kind of triggers, it triggers that, hey, this position is open. But then we try to hire out of our, uh, either out of our employee base or our network. Um, and then last resort, resort are the ads on the job boards. So that'd be someone that comes in that, that has no connection to our company. But um, if it's a continuum, it would be employee, uh, personal or professional network, then ad. Got it. And and those ads, are you putting them on Indeed, Facebook? Where are you posting those? <clears throat> yeah, um, all of the above. Yeah. Okay. So, so social and um, as far as job boards, we use Indeed. Yep. Got it. Okay. Yeah. I love that kind of relying on the people who, who already are a good fit to know who else right. might be a good fit. For sure. Yep. Yeah. Are there any, as you've grown your business to now doing over 3 million, are there any mistakes you've made along the way or are customer blunders uh, that might, might make for a good story or anything like that? Nope. Not a single one. <laughs> Dude, you're, you're the first guest who, who has been flawless in his execution. Amazing. No, absolutely. Lots of, lots of mistakes, lots of mistakes. Um, so, you know, we'll stick on this hiring theme. We've made, we've made bad hires. And I can tell you from personal experience, it's painful. It is really, really painful. Um, but it's a great, it's a great lesson to learn, right? Pain plus reflection equals progress. Um, you go through a couple bad hires, not only from the financial expense, but the energy, um, the emotional expense, um, it's tough, right? So you, I, I've learned um, right people, right see, right? And that is, a, it has to be both. You can't have right person. And so right person is culture. Are they a fit for your culture? Do they align with your values? Do they believe in what you believe as an organization as far as, as, far as values? And then um, right fit is, um, is, it, is it a position fit for them, right? Um, do they get it? Is it natural, right? So um, somebody who has a sales personality profile is not going to succeed in a, in a project management uh, position. And someone with a project management pro personality profile is not gonna succeed in a sales position. Not saying they can't do it for a period of time, but they're not going to excel. It's not natural. Yeah. So do they get it? Do they want it? Right. So do they do they genuinely want to be in that role and do they have the capacity to, to do it? And that's spiritual capacity, emotional capacity, um, time capacity. Right. So if it's a if it's a position that requires uh, a 50 hour work week, but they can only give 30, they don't have the capacity to do it. Uh, I can tell you, I don't have the capacity to be a project manager. <laughs> so yeah. I, I get a lot of fulfillment. Like I love leading and I love selling. Right. So I get a lot of fulfillment. Um, our, nobody calls our project managers when they just want to tell them something nice. They call our project managers when they want to be upset about something. Right. Yeah. So um, I don't have the probably the emotional capacity to handle that. 
right? right. So it takes a very specific personality profile. So I would say um, be very, very intentional um, in your hiring. Make sure it's the right person, they fit your company, uh, and make sure it's the right fit that they fit the position. Yeah, yeah, that all makes sense. And so as you've grown to um, this level, what are some of the marketing channels that you've used that have been the best for you? And then yeah. what are some that maybe haven't worked out so well? Yeah, yeah, great question. Um, so I'll, I'll answer it separate, separately for residential and commercial. Um, so for, for residential, uh, we have um, had a lot of success with digital marketing. Uh, so pay-per-click. Um, we put a lot of effort in SEO, so a lot of content creation, um, optimized content creation. Um, we I thought had... SEO is dead. Do they, I think does so. that still work? Oh, okay. <laughs> All right, that's good to know. I'll, I'll turn it back on on our end. Thanks. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, so, yeah, so uh, digital, um, we do some traditional uh, print, um, so direct mail. Um, what else do we do? Um, up, up, up. Um, trade shows. We've had a lot of success with trade shows. Um, and um, we get into uh, a lot of associations. So uh, we do, uh, all of our reps are in BNI groups. Um, so we found um, with residential, uh, we are typically hiring someone not right out of college, but typically someone earlier in the, to their sales career for our sales um, or for our residential sales reps. Uh, so the BNI group, it, it has a dual benefit there. One, we are capturing leads and, and revenue out of those groups, but it also helps them build their, their professional network, uh, nice. which has been, we've had a lot of success with that. Um, and then um, for uh, uh what we haven't enjoyed from residential side is, you know, we went through our period of home advisor, uh, you know, and we made, yeah. <laughs> we made money. Uh, we made money with them. You know, I typically look for a five to one uh, ratio uh, of return with my marketing channels. Uh, we, we absolutely have, we're a five to one, but you're, you're having to do a lot more work to get the same, to, to get that revenue. So uh, we're our typical conversion rate of lead to estimate is like 90 or higher for every other lead channel, our lead to estimate conversion for, for home advisor was 70%, right? So we were only booking yeah. seven out of 10 leads. Um, then our, our closing percentage was like 30 to 40% where on all of our channel, other channels, it was greater than greater than 40 and even, you know, probably closer to 50. So, so you're just doing, yeah, you're making money, you're getting a return on investment, but you're working a lot harder to get that return. Uh, so we, you know, we, we phased that out a couple of years ago. Um, and we, you know, we, we really, most of our, most of our efforts are digital and, and print. Yeah. And then, uh, on the commercial side, it's, it's all relationship development. Um, so we, attack, uh, we join, uh, and sponsor, uh, in a lot of associations specifically within market verticals. So the way that we approach, um, commercial, uh, is very much from like a B2B standpoint, like we're, we're expecting our, our reps to go out, build relationships, become experts within their market vertical, um, and become uh, a face that everybody sees within that industry. Um, so if you're, if your vertical is multifamily, uh, 
anyone who's attending the multifamily events or association events are going to see you and are going to yeah. know your name. Uh, and, and then again, we do a lot of trade shows within those within those spaces as well. Yeah, so the, there are a couple of points I want to kind of dive deeper in there. We we actually get a lot of customers that come from, well, now Angie, because of what mm -hmm. you're saying, you know, low quality leads, you know, cost sensitive customers and low conversion mm -hmm. rates. The um, when you mentioned that, I mean, you said something really interesting there with your sales people that you get. So you get them right out of college and then you said they go to the BNI group and you guys get the benefit of, you get some leads, you know, some professional networking there. But then you mentioned something that didn't really seem tied to your painting business. You said that, that it's helping them build their um, professional network and you didn't really yeah. tie that back, what, right. which I found really interesting. So is this essentially you giving them opportunity for growth and you may be conveying that in the hiring and not all being, Hey, what's it going to do for me? But I also want to make sure I'm doing it for you. hundred percent, hundred percent. So part of our um, value proposition when we are acquiring employees is that we're going to help you grow. It's in built into our values, right? So if I say we, that we are going to pursue growth and happiness, then I have to be able to provide that within our organization. So, and it all isn't about what we're going to benefit. Um, it, it, it provides an opportunity. So for me, that's something I've always, um, no one taught it to me. I just felt a natural um, calling to, to, to building a network. So it's something I've always stayed involved with is, is building a professional and personal network for myself. And, and I've reaped the, the reward throughout my career uh, because of it. So because I've seen success in it, I want, um, if I can help someone who comes a part of our company, again, I've said this before, but like not everyone in your company, it's, it's unrealistic expectation to think everyone's going to stay forever, right? Sometimes it's just a stop. Sometimes it's just two years. And if you can make an impact on their life, if you can take someone who's 25 years old and you can lead them in a way to set them up to success for success throughout their entire career. I mean, is there a greater legacy for yourself? Yeah. I, I love that. That, in, that, that focus on making an impact on people's lives. Yeah. Well, but Chris, aren't you worried that if they go and they grow their network that they'll leave you, isn't it better to keep them bottled up so that they'll stay with your painting company? No, I don't think you should bottle anybody up. No, <laughs> that's, not gonna lead to, that's not going to lead to happy employees. <laughs> um, you know, that, that would fall in line with a scarcity mindset, which I think yep. plagues our trade. You know, uh, there's so much opportunity out there. Again, if you believe there's a, um, hey, I can't find good people. And that's just, that's the story you tell yourself. And that's yep. just what it is, right? There's no good people out there. That's a lie. That's yep. a lie that you're telling yourself every day. Um, that falls under scarcity. Um, there, I, you know, I can't grow my business, you know, whatever, whatever the story you're telling yourself, I can't grow my business because of my market size, or I can't grow my business because the franchises are, are taking over my market. Um, those are all just, um, again, they just fall in line with the scarcity mindset. Um, so you want to grow your people because if you grow your people, you're going to grow great people and great people make a great organization. Right. And yes, yeah, some will leave. Um, but the last thing you ever want to do is bottle somebody up. Yep. Yeah. There's, um, there's, a, I forget exactly what the, what the quote is, but it's like, oh, well, well, if I, if I train them, they might leave me. 
And it's something along the lines of, well, if you don't train them, do you want them to stay with you? You want them, yeah, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I mean, you, yeah. you provide them that, that opportunity. Well, then they're looking forward. Well, wow, this company really cares about me. So you build, build in the loyalty. You have a better employee that's more connected. And now they're, they're going to wonder what else you're going to provide them. You know, it, it's not, you don't just give them this one carrot and that's it. You, you kind of grow with them. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. If you great, if you train a great painter and they leave and they, they become a competitor, they become a, they raise the bar. They make it yeah. better for you, right? Because they're putting on a better service at a higher price point. So then you can charge a higher price point uh, and yep. you can gain more profitability for your company. And then you can provide more impact to the, to the employees within your business. So hiring great people that leave you is not necessarily a bad thing if they do yeah. great things in the market. There's an abundance mindset if I've ever heard one. You know, actually welcoming a competitor who's directly competing with you because then you can both raise your prices. For sure. That's For awesome. Sure. Just kind of raising the industry bar overall. For sure, man. Yeah. Um, all right. So you, you kind of dove into uh, the marketing, digital marketing's work best for you, but you guys are, are do, you've done some direct mail, you've done PPC, you've done SEO, all that stuff requires money. For, for smaller companies that have a limited budget, where would you recommend that they start? Yeah, I, I 100% start in your network, right? So word of mouth can take you a long ways. Um, you know, eventually there's uh, going to be re diminishing return from from just leaning into your network. Um, but that's definitely the best. That's the cheapest place to start. And yeah. and and if you you know if and there's a lot of ways. Again, BNI there's BNI groups. There's other. Um, uh, networking groups that you can attach yourself to, and not saying those produce the biggest, but the you know. Do as much as you can um, just within your your network. Um, you could get busy really quick just just leaning into that. Kind of the, the grass, grassroots marketing efforts. For sure. For so sure. what kinds of um, what kinds of jobs do you guys find most profitable? What do you what do you guys wish you had more of? For sure. So you know it's been a journey um, as we've progressed. You know when you start out early. You're willing to be all things for all people. You'll go yeah. everywhere and you'll do everything, you know? So I think that, you know, over time, what we offer has become smaller and what we don't has become larger, right? Yeah. So you just learn yourself and what you're great at. So like, you know, pretty much everything we offer is, is coming in to uh, a similar gross margin. Um, but that's because we've become, become better at defining, you know, what's the, for residential, what's the geographical area we'll cover? What's the demographic uh, of that demographic? What's their psychographic? You know, what, again, so if we're focusing on, you know, we have really two uh, buyer personas that we're focusing on uh, we're for residential. One's a busy professional and the other is a retiree. Those are two very different psychographics, right? The, the busy professional is like, hey, yes, I care about a good job but I really just need you to get this off my plate so I can get back to work. The retiree, they want to, they want a great job. They probably worked with contractors before. They probably had bad experiences before. They want someone they like and trust a whole lot more because they're going to be in the space with them the entire time. They're not leaving to go to work. Um, so you just get, you, you know, over time you get better at defining uh, again, who you are and who you serve. Um, it's just like you, the title of your of your podcast, right? It's very easy to understand um, uh, painting, painter marketing, uh, or yeah, marketing mastermind podcast, mm -hmm. right? So now I understand the demographic immediately, right? right. You're, I understand this. This is going to be a good podcast for me because it's for painters and it's covering marketing. 
yep. right? It's clearly defined. Okay, now I found myself on this podcast, and then right in the entry, you're talking about this is this is again geographical area. You're interviewing um, painting contractors throughout the throughout North America mm-hmm. to help to to talk to million plus uh, revenue models uh, yep. or businesses to help guys that are under that to grow them, right? Now I know exactly what I'm getting into. I know if this is going to be a benefit for me or not. We all need to do that. We need to strive to do that with our businesses. So kudos to you, man. Yeah, well, thanks, man. Yeah, I appreciate that, that clear messaging. Uh, You know, the confused mind doesn't buy. The confused mind doesn't trust. Right, right. Yeah. Yep. And people can't buy what you don't market, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, if if you offer... You know, I think I think I've heard this on one of your other podcasts. Someone else said this, but like, it's amazing how many times you're you go to the home to do an interior painting proposal, and then they they ha- they're like, oh, you do exteriors too, right? Like, it's like yep, <laughs> yeah, we sure do. <laughs> uh, yeah. And sometimes, I mean, there's a lot. I mean, you're trying to get a lot, so you so that's another thing with messaging is just making it really simple, clear, and concise, uh, and compelling, and easy to understand. But you know, we forget that people do this once every five years, you know, we're, we're meeting, you know, our residential reps are meeting five people a day, right? So they can start saying, using language uh, that maybe we use that maybe the customer doesn't quite understand. It kind of goes over their head. Um, so we have to, we have to remind ourselves to not become complacent and understand that they do this one time every five years. Um, so we got to make sure uh, we make the best use of that time. So help them understand um, what other services we have to offer. Uh, so again, what gets marketed gets sold. So if you're if you're a painting company, but you also offer power washing, if you don't market that to your customers, they'll never know to buy it. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a great point. We've actually run into similar issues with painter marketing pros, or we'll, we'll be throwing. You know, we've had to work on it as a team. We're throwing around technical jargon, or you know, that painting company are, are like, okay, what what, what is that? Right. You know, like <laughs> you gotta right. you have to tell the homeowner why it matters to them. You know, you, you don't start getting into the technical specifications of, of the paint. They don't care. They don't understand right. it. Yep. It doesn't make a difference. <laughs> so. Yeah, we're, we're going to roll this on at four to six mils. It's going to dry down to one to two mils. We're like, I don't oh, I was worried about <laughs> that. Oh, thank yeah, God. I'm yeah. so glad you said that. Yeah, I was really <laughs> wanting to know your wet mill application. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, now I'm going to hire you guys because I totally understand. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, so you you are in Indianapolis. So obviously a, a lot of painting companies struggle with winter slow season. Do you, have you found any ways to successfully combat that? How do you deal with that? Yeah. Um, we've, we've tried both strategies of trying to market through the winter, spin through the winter. And then we've also went lean through the winter. I can't say that we've seen a measurable result either way. Um, you know, so for me, another, you had asked earlier advice for um, painting companies wanting to scale. Um, I would say document everything. Yeah, provide yourself as many data points as you can. Not, you know, don't make it, a, a, you know, too cumbersome. But we've, we've recorded as much as we could over the years. So when I'm forecasting for the for upcoming year, the what I, I look at last year's performance, then I look at month monthly year over year. Uh, and that becomes really predictable for me to to forecast um, upcoming year. So I just take um, previous year, I look at the trends, I add my growth, and now I can forecast. Um, so I, th- what I've seen from that data is our strategies really haven't changed it too much. But 
here's what I'll say. We don't lean too hard into trying to grow through the winter. Um, and, and we do, you know, kind of produce an eight month sprint for ourselves. Uh, but we're kind of built, we, we're, we're prepared for it and we're built for it. Um, we really have more leaned into the winter for an opportunity to realign, reevaluate, reassess, um, fix what's broken, um, and get everybody you know, pointed in the same direction again. Uh, so for, for us, it's kind of, kind of a, a little bit of a breather and it's a chance to, to sharpen our tools and get prepared for another year. Um, look at our successes from the previous year. Uh, you know, what, what were our greatest accomplishments? What, what, where did we fail? Uh, what could we be doing different um, and uh, implement a, a new plan? So I spend most of my December, I'm, I'm really digging in uh, to previous year and, and preparing for the new year. Uh, last week, I just did my two-day um, leadership um, planning session. Um, now, after that, I'll be working on uh, uh, packaging the plan for our team. And next Thursday, we'll be doing our kickoff for the year. So, and that's a pretty typical, um, and then uh, typically third week of January, we start our trade show season. Uh, then you get into February and March and everything starts kind of waking you back up. Um, so really you know, for us, the first quarter, it's starting to put out a lot of the marketing that we'll start starting to uh, uh, plant the seeds um, for for that early spring season. So, so we don't, uh, I, my wife works within the business. She runs our finances. Uh, she hates the winter, <laughs> but yeah. I, I, I don't hate the winter near as much because it gives us an opportunity to, to plan, train, and develop. Yeah, I, uh, I'd spoken with Brad Ellison, and I guess he's, he's leaning into a direct mail approach this winter and seeing right. how that works out. I think, I think Nick Slavic um, is either he, trying yeah. that or, or kind of recommended it, so we'll see how that plays out for him. Yeah, yeah, I know Nick only markets in the winter. He, only, he uses all his spin for the winter. Uh, and I know that's been successful for him. Uh, again, for me, it's more of a, just like a personal preference. If I ever feel like we need to, you know, we, again, our, our 10 year target is uh, three locations across three states. Uh, one of those states is going to be South. We might be, <laughs> yeah, so, you know, so really for me, I'd rather combat um, the seasonality of our, of our location with a second location than try to fight something that's always going to be a fight. The company that I actually came from, um, they, um, they, they do all, you know, again, national work, um, all commercial, um, uh, all based on relationship development. Um, but they, um, they're for, they, they've launched all their additional locations have been in Southern states. So they have, I think like four, three, four or five locations now. Uh, everything's pushed south. So they have their central location in Indy. So I'm um, not saying we'll follow that same path, but right. if one of them will probably be south just to have that opportunity for sure. Yeah. 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 And it's where, you know, so I think another thing, so this goes back to what we were talking about earlier is like when you get ser serious about scale, you, you have to start organizing, organizing your, your business and your life accordingly. Right. So when I knew I wanted to scale a business, I've organized my life in a way that's been able to um, position me to have that growth and to grow it from even from now to 10 million. Um, I've eliminated hobbies. I've eliminated relationships. I've gotten really focused on uh, what's going to move the needle. So my wife and I have, have positioned ourselves to in, in three to five years, if we wanted to launch a Tampa location, we're in the position to do that.
right? So you really got to think it through all that. Again, it's get it, want it, have the capacity to do it. So you want to grow from 500,000 to 1.5. Do you have that? Do you have that desire to do it? You get it. Is that natural for you to, to, to come out of the bucket and, and, and to just run a business? Do you, do you truly want it or are you just doing it because you think you have to? And do you have the capacity to do it? Um, yeah. And then maybe that's just time, you know? So, yeah. um, so those are all things I think you have to consider. Yeah, it, it, um, it requires sacrifice and focus. Uh, my wife sure. and I always say, do, do what other people want so you have what other people don't. Yep. Yeah. 100%, uh, man. All right, man. Well, we'll uh, just got a couple more questions. So I guess, how do you, how do you see the painting industry changing in the future or do you see it changing? Yeah, I do. I think we're going to uh, continue to see growth. Um, I do think that businesses, um, which is, I feel like we're so behind, like even like a, another unlicensed, you know, we're generally unlicensed trade um, like roofing, right? We're, we're even behind, um, there. So I think there's going to be a lot more technology, a lot more automation. I think businesses will get bigger. I think they'll get more professionalized. Um, I love there's some, you know, some Titans in our industry um, that are really leading this charge of, of um, helping uh, professionalize the business, helping grow great painters. Like that's the thing. Um, for us, again, one of our biggest obstacles is how do you hire painters when like, I'm not a painter, right? I can't yeah. go teach them, right? I have a production manager who is a 20 year painter, but he's busy running our production team, right? So like, so I have to, oh, so we want to, so we run a full sub model or not full, but mainly uh, um, 1099. And so how do we start to integrate painters into our business um, and be able to make sure that they're great painters and to be able to offer them that same development that I can offer a, a salesperson. Um, so seeing some of these courses come out, that's really, really exciting. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, PCA just has awesome content on all this stuff. For sure. Yeah. So when you, I do want to kind of dive into that for a second. When, when you said you, you're using primarily 1099 um, mm -hmm. painters, how do you, you not knowing painting really very well and, and the, or not, not really being, not doing it and not having right. someone who's really training them. How do you ensure quality control? For sure. Yeah. So first, um, I don't know how to paint, but I know a heck of a lot about painting. So, yeah, uh, yeah. so I've educated myself. Uh, I so I know it. I know, I know, I know the products inside now. Uh, I know the application methods are just not, probably not the fastest person. So we were just talking about, yeah. we were, we were uh, challenging some of our production rates yesterday. Um, and we were talking about doors, for example, like six panel door. And so we we're, uh, you know, having fun with it. But, you know, you ask my production manager, he's like, oh, I'll paint a door in 15 minutes. You know, it's yeah. like, okay, well, that's great. But what's our average painter painting a door? And, you know, right. um, so, uh, um, yeah, so uh, I talk a lot about becoming expert, being experts and thought leaders within our industry, right? So we know how it should be painted. I'm just not a very good painter. <laughs> so I painted one door since we've been in existence. I and mean, I think it took me like a half a day uh, and I made a mess. <laughs> so, um, but then uh, again, like you, you can't build a business. You're not going to be, you're not going to be the best fit for every role within your business. Uh, right. I hired a 20 year painter for a production manager because I'm not, one, I'm not a project manager. And two, I don't have 20 years of experience um, running painting projects. He does, 
right? Um, and then, but what I am great at is I'm really great at putting systems together. I'm really good, good at developing a system where it enables somebody to have success that's repeatable and predictable. Um, so we implement the system and then I put someone who knows what they're doing and knows what to look for in the position to manage that and manage that expectation. Um, and then, you know, we develop a system that if it's followed, there's only one way we don't get a predictable and a great outcome for our customer is if we lose discipline to the process because our process, especially for a residential, it is, it will 100% end with a satisfied customer and a great pro, uh, a great uh, quality product if it's followed, right? Yeah. Now that's taken years to develop, um, but that's, you know, that's part of professionalizing a business um, is, is implementing that uh, process that your people can be successful with uh, and then having um, people in positions to lead, manage, and hold them accountable. Yeah, so I, I love that the, the sys, having the systems and the delegation yeah. in place. Yep. Um, well, th thank you for that. Do you have any any more advice for other painting company owners that are looking to to get to your level, or maybe even have your same vision of ten million and beyond? Yeah, you know, I, again, um, I think taking the time to decide what what you what you really want. Um, and I think, um, I think that implementing great systems, hiring great people, um, casting a vision, um, so that people can align with you, um, and, um, putting out a great product, um, that customers will be happy with and providing a great experience. Um, if you can do that, if you can make it repeatable and predictable, then you can scale it. Yeah. Chris, this was amazing. This was amazing. Yeah. I had a great time, man. Yeah, I, I appreciate you coming on the show. I, I think you dropped some serious knowledge bombs. And uh, awesome. it, was a, it was a great way for me to end the year, for sure. Awesome. Me as well. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll try to get you on the show again. Uh, yeah, I would point. love have that. You, have you yeah. be a repeat? Because I, I yeah. think we left a lot uh, on the table here. Yeah, yeah. I would absolutely love to come back. And um, uh, can't wait to catch up with you at the PCA conference. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to it, man. And if anyone listening to this, if you're not going, do go. March March second to fourth, little PCA plug there for him. Yeah, and I will I will say I'm actually going to make that my advice. Get in get into your trade association, make relationships, gain that experience and that exposure. Um, the PCA Expo two years ago is where I fell in love with this trade, and I've been in business for three or four years. Yeah, amazing. Thanks, Chris. Absolutely, man. If you want to learn more about the topics we discussed in this podcast and how you can use them to grow your painting business, visit paintermarketingpros.com forward slash podcast for free training, as well as the ability to schedule a personalized strategy session for your painting company. Again, that URL is paintermarketingpros.com forward slash podcast. Paint podcasts are produced by the Painting Contractors Association and is made possible by members and industry partners. To find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining PCA, visit PCAPaintEd.org.